going to begin singing to God's praise from uh, Psalm 139. Now, the one thing that I, I, I should intimate also is uh, to try and remember, if you don't take a psalm book with you, uh, to in future to take one, because just now we're still not able to be handing them out at the door in the way that we used to. So just to help with the singing, now that we've started singing again, so that we have have a book with us for singing. So Psalm 139, verses 1 to 10. This is from the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 139 from the Scottish Psalter. And as I said, we'll sing as heartily as we possibly can. O Lord, thou hast me searched and known. Thou knowest my sitting down and rising up. Yea, all my thoughts are far to thee are known. My footsteps and my lying down thou compassest always. Thou also most entirely art acquaint with all my ways. For in my tongue before I speak, not any word can be. But altogether, lo, O Lord, it is well known to thee. Behind, before thou hast beset and laid on me thine hand. Such knowledge is too strange for me, too high to understand. From thy spirit, whither shall I go? Or from thy presence fly? Ascend I heaven, lo, thou art there, there if in hell I lie. Take I the morning wings, and dwell in utmost parts of sea. Even there, Lord, shall thy hand me lead, thy right hand hold shall me. Psalm 139, 1 to 10, that's on page 432. Stand to sing. me searched and known, thou knowest my sitting down, and rising up, yea, all my thoughts are far to thee are known. My footsteps and my lying down Thou compassest always Thou also most entirely art acquainted with all my ways For speak, not any word can be, but all together, lo, O Lord, it is well known to Thee. Knowledge is too strange for me, too high to understand. 
understand from thy spread whether shall I go or from thy presence fly ascend I am lo There, Lord, shall thy hand me lead, thy right hand hold shall me. Let us bow in prayer. <clears throat> o oh Lord, we give thanks that as we worship you tonight, that we're worshiping, this, worshiping a God who knows absolutely everything about us. As it says there, take I the morning wings and dwell in utmost parts of sea, even there, Lord, shall thy hand me lead, thy right hand hold shall me. When the psalmist reflected on the immensity of God and the all-encompassing presence and knowledge of God, that knowledge was too much for him. And we have to confess that many times it's the same for ourselves as we really begin to reflect upon what your word shows us about you and tells us about you. We have to say such knowledge is too strange for me, it's too high to understand. And as we come into your presence, we are aware we are in the presence of one who is altogether other than we are. And yet the amazing thing is that this majestic God, the altogether glorious, majestic God, has become Emmanuel God with us in and through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, that causes us to marvel and to speak of knowledge which is too much for us. This is the great mystery of godliness, Christ revealed in the flesh. And so we ask, O oh Lord, that as we wait upon you tonight, we may do so humbly, that we may do so remembering that you are God and that you are the creator and that we are the created. And the span of our life is measured by you. The day of our birth was known from all eternity as is the day of our death. These things are hidden from us. We have no control ultimately over them. And so we pray that every single day that we might live our lives in the light of the knowledge that we belong to you. Help us to remember that your great priority for us is to become more Christ-like. Every day we have priorities in our own mind. We have things that we think are vital and important, and they are in our own, as far as we're concerned. But there's always an overriding priority that you have for us, and that is that we will be changed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And help us, Lord, to remember that many of the things that come into our life to try us and test us, while they may be difficult and we don't want them, 
that they're there for our good and that you are the God who using these things are shaping us and molding us. And so we pray for that submission of will so that we might bow before you and recognize uh, that you are our God. We pray to bless us as we worship you. Pray to bless every home, every family. Pray your blessing upon all who are here tonight. And we ask, Lord, that you will bless all who are with us online as well. And we give thanks for the technology that is enabling us to share one with another. And that we can go anywhere really in the world with this, which is quite marvelous and wonderful. And uh, although there are many things that are wrong in the way that society works today, there are also many, many blessings. And help us to recognize these things and to see that even in a day of small things, that you are doing great things, Lord. We pray that you'll encourage us in the faith. Pray, Lord, for those who are struggling tonight, maybe struggling physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. We pray, Lord, for those who find their lives are their world has been turned upside down. Remember in particular tonight the McLeod family. And we pray for uh, Finlay and for Ruth as uh, their dear little baby has been taken away. And we know that <clears throat> any parents, they, they have their little treasures at the very heart of their lives. And they're building up all the plans for the future and then all of a sudden that's gone. And so into the emptiness that is theirs tonight, we pray, Lord, for them, and that you will reveal to them yourself. Grant them your peace, your comfort, because you can get, you can reach in where we can't, where nobody else can, and bring them all the consolation and comfort that is in Jesus Christ. Likewise, we pray for uh, Ruth and for uh, Finley's respective families, remembering also the grandparents, Marduyan and Erica and Ian and Mary. We pray to bless them. And we pray for all <clears throat> tonight who mourn and all whose worlds, their own personal world has been turned upside down. And that is part of the awfulness of sin. The wages of sin is death. And that because we are sinners, then death, death is here, it's here. But we give thanks that in the face of death there is a saviour who has won victory over death and over the grave. And we're able to look at death and able to look at the grave and the grave always seems so final, but it's not. The grave one day has to give up. And we give thanks that we're able to say, O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, grave, where is your victory? Because the thanks is all to Jesus Christ by his death and his rising. He has won victory over death and over the grave. So tonight, Lord, we give you praise and thanks for that. We ask, Lord, that you will bless those who are ill and those who are laid aside. We pray for the aged, for the old people, for those who can't do for themselves anymore. They're reverting back more and more just like, like children. They have become dependent on others. And uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, you will provide for them uh, pray for those, Lord, who uh, are in difficulties. We give thanks for the great caring system that we have here in our community. We give thanks, Lord, for, for the many wonderful provisions that we have. We give thanks for our NHS. And we give thanks, Lord, for all that we get and receive. 
We pray to bless us as a nation, bless our leaders, all in authority over us. Uh, we, we pray, as we're to, commanded in Scripture, for the Queen, for the royal family. We're to pray for uh, uh, our leaders in Westminster and in Holyrood and here locally in the council. We pray for wisdom and guidance and uh, that they may uh, govern in a way that is right. And we ask, O oh Lord, that your cause, that your name will be given uh, glory in our land. We pray that the freedom of the gospel will always be ours. We pray to thwart the attempts of those who are trying to uh, undermine the cause of Christ and those who are trying to silence uh, the, the, the word of God in our land. We pray that their attempts to do so will be like the counsel of Ahithophel that will be turned to foolishness. We ask then, Lord, that you will be with us as we wait upon you tonight, that you will do us good. Grant us your grace, we pray, for giving us our every sin. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen. <clears throat> and I'm just going to say a wee word. There's a few young folk, and I know that some will be online, just a wee word. Uh, <clears throat> when, when children are young, one of the things that most young people love to do is to climb. Uh, that's why even you go to early learning center, you will see tiny, small, maybe climbing frames. You go to the play parks and there are, you'll see um, climbing frames. Maybe, maybe today they're maybe not as high as they used to be. Maybe people are more conscious today of the accidents that could happen. And, but it's a thing, it's a natural thing for youngsters to climb. It's what you do. When you get older, you don't, you don't expect to see people climbing the same. I mean, if you went to the castle, if I went to the castle grounds, you went to the castle grounds tomorrow, and you saw the church officer, Roddy, away up in the trees, you'd be saying to yourself, oh, Roddy, what are you doing up there? And you'd be thinking, well, maybe there's a cat stuck, or there's something has blown, and he's away up to get it. But you would never think of him going away up there to climb just for fun. But young people do. That's what you do. But grown-ups don't normally do that. But in the Bible, we read about a man who did just that. And he did it because he was a very small man. He was a wee man. And this wee man, he was desperate to see somebody. And of course, that somebody was Jesus. That little man was called Zacchaeus. He wasn't a very nice man. He used to steal from people. He was very covetous. He had bulging pockets full of money that never really belonged to him. But the wonderful thing was that he wanted to see Jesus. But he couldn't because he was too wee, because there was a big crowd round. So he said to himself, I know what I'll do. I'll climb up a tree. And he climbed up the sycamore tree so he'd be there in the branches so that he could see this man because this man, Jesus, was called the friend of Publicans or tax gatherers, which Zacchaeus was, and sinners. And he thought, we don't have many friends. I've got to see this man. And you know, the desire in Zacchaeus's heart was a great desire because, you know, anybody who wants to really see Jesus, you know what? They will see him. Because Jesus says, seek and you will find. And this man, Zacchaeus, was up in the tree wanting to see Jesus 
And Jesus, when he was passing by, stopped and he looked right up in the tree and he eyeballed Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. Today, salvation is coming to your house. Isn't that wonderful? And Zacchaeus came down and he believed in Jesus and he became a changed man. The pockets that were full of stolen money, he went round giving it all away, giving it all back. That was a sign that his heart had been changed by Jesus. I hope tonight you want to see Jesus, to see him as the saviour who can save you. And if you really want to see Jesus, you will, by faith. You ask Jesus tonight, Lord, help me to see you. Help me to believe in you. Help me, Lord, to love you. And tonight will be the best night ever if you really want to see Jesus. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us turn to read God's word now in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And we'll read from the beginning of the chapter, Matthew chapter 11. Reading from the beginning. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling on their playmates. 
We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He is a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by our deeds. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable or bearable in the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, Will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have heard these things from the, have hidden, sorry, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. And may God bless to us this reading of his own holy word. And I want us to focus on the last three verses of this chapter. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <clears throat> we live in a world that is full of stresses and strains. A world that crushes us, a world that is full of disappointments and so often we end up with broken dreams and disappointed hopes. And standing in the middle of all our disappointments and all our pains, we find that there's this ray of light that comes to us where Jesus Christ is inviting all of us to come to himself. Now, Jesus, in the first instance here, he's talking uh, to people who are being led by religious leaders who are putting tremendous emphasis on the word do. The Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day of Jesus, they were emphasizing all the time, you have to do, you have to do, you have to do. You have to do the right things. You have to go to the right places. You have to be seen with the right people. You've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do the next thing. They were building their lives on God's law, the law of Moses. But what they had done was they had built thousands of laws on top. 
just to make doubly, trebly sure that they were keeping God's law. But of course, this had become a man-made, what had been God's way or God's word, which of course the law was always the schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. And here Jesus Christ has now come. But they were living by the law, but they were living by a law that had been added to and added to and added to and added, and it had become such that the people were living under the most intolerable burden. You and I have no idea how awful it must have been trying to, to live a religious life in the days of Jesus Christ because it was just, it was crushing. And so Jesus, he comes to us with, with a different uh, word. His word was not do. The word that Jesus brings to us is very simply the word come. And what we've always got to remember is that uh, salvation is found in a relationship. Salvation is not found in doing. Now, of course, our doing always comes out of salvation because a Christian is somebody who is seeking to live and to do according to God's word. And there's something wrong when Christians will say, oh, well, what God's word says has no bearing upon us now. I'm in Christ, so I can do whatever I want. That's not what the Bible says. We're still committed to living according to what the Lord says. But with regard to our salvation itself, the doing has all been done by Jesus Christ. And so that is why he has, brings to us this invitation, which is very simply to come, to come. And we see the wonderful thing about this salvation, this invitation that Jesus gives is the extensiveness of it. Because it says to all, you are invited to come to Christ. Anyone, anywhere is invited to come to the Lord Jesus Christ in order that you will receive rest for your souls. You know, it really is quite extraordinary. Come to me, all who labor. So there's this quite amazing invitation given. And I would love that all the people in this world tonight, all the people in Stornoway tonight, who are going about carrying and weights and burdens and they're worn out and they're, they're down and they're just saying to themselves, you know, I don't know what life is all about. And Jesus is there saying, listen, come to me. You're, you're there burdened down in life. And here am I. And I promise you, I guarantee you that I will give you rest. And so Jesus is talking to everybody. He's not just talking, I believe, here in this instance. Yes, he's talking to those who have never first of all come to Jesus. Is he talking to you tonight? Are you here tonight? And you have to say, I am a dutiful listener of the word of God. I've come faithfully to God's house. That is wonderful. But you need to do more. You need to come to Jesus. And if you haven't yet come, you need to come. But I believe that this invitation here is addressed to more than those who have already come to Jesus Christ because there are those who have come to Jesus Christ and tonight they're weary, tonight they're burdened. Maybe you're weary and burdened through 
through what's happening in your life, at home, at work, wherever it is, and you feel worn out, you're tired, and you feel that it doesn't matter what you do, that it's, you're struggling, you have to ask yourself the question, do I commit my day to the Lord every day? Or am I a, the type of Christian who, yes, I have faith in Jesus Christ, I have given him my soul, but every day I sort out my own life. I do my own thing. I'm in charge of my life. And you see, it's all too easy to compartmentalize our life. So here's our bit, and then there's the Lord's bit. The Lord says, no, it doesn't work like that. I need it all, all your life. And so he's saying to you tonight, he's saying to me, come. Or maybe he's saying it even to the weary worshiper. You know, sometimes people come to God's house, which is the most one, don't get me wrong, coming to God's house is so important. Watching and listening online is so important. But you might be a weary listener. And what happens is this, that you, you listen you listen in online or you come to God's house and you do so out of duty. And you say, well, I must, I must come. Don't get me wrong, that is important. And if you're only coming out of duty, keep on coming. But you know, sometimes it can become weary just coming out of duty. Because the Lord wants far more than you simply coming out of duty. He wants to enter into a vital, vibrant, personal relationship with you so that you and he have an experience together of fellowship and oneness. And that's what Jesus is saying. Come to me, even here. Ask me, ask me in right now so that I, I will bring purpose and meaning and light and life into your worship rather than simply being dead or formal. So it's important that we, that we come uh, to Jesus. Again, sometimes we become weary with all our efforts at self-reformation. Have we not tried that? You know, you, we look at our lives and we say, you know, we need to sort this, I need to sort that. And we go to the Lord and we say, oh Lord, I'm sorry about this, I'm sorry about that. And then there are times we say, you know, I've got, these are areas in my life I've got to deal with. And years later, you're still in the exact same place. And you become weary with it. Because you don't seem to be going anywhere or getting anywhere. But again, so often it is because we're relying upon ourselves rather than really, really coming to him. And again, we can be weary with all the pressures of life, the illnesses in life. Many, there are many old people who are really weary. Life has become a burden. There are many people who are struggling with really difficult mental issues. For them, life is a real burden. There are many people tonight that are overcome with sorrows. Life for them is a wearisome burden. Their tears has become the normality in their life. But you know the wonderful thing is that the one who is inviting us to come knows all about sorrow and tears. Remember what he was termed in this world, the man of sorrows. Isn't that beautiful? 
If you want somebody to identify with you, if supposing there's something, supposing you had something wrong or something happened in your life and you met somebody who went through an identical situation, you would be so pleased to meet somebody who knew, you knew could really understand where you were at. Well, that's how it is with Jesus. Whatever your sorrows, and maybe you're saying, like it said in the Bible, whose sorrow is likened to my sorrow? Well, Jesus could say that. As he wept, and as the tears, and the very sweat came as blood from him in the garden. As we were talking about this morning, we remember when our iniquities were laid upon him, the violent collision that took place on the cross, where God brought in a violent collision all our sin, all the guilt of our sin, all the punishment of our sin, everything upon Jesus. And as Jesus anticipated this, he sweated as it were drops of blood. The sorrow consumed him. So if tonight sorrows are consuming you, here is a savior with outstretched arms who says, I know all about it. I've experienced sorrows. But more than that, as God, a very God, I'm able to help you. I can give you a comfort and a strengthening that nobody else can. And so he gives this great invitation. Into the darkness, he says, it is I, be not afraid. And, <clears throat> but it, it's also important to notice with regard to this invitation. It says, Come to me, yes, we said it's extensive, all, but it's specific. All who labor, all who are weary, all who are burdened. And not everybody is. And Jesus is particularly saying that to people who are burdened and weary with sin, with this world, with self, with temptation, with all these things. But that invitation doesn't reach out to those who aren't weary and burdened with this world. You know, there's a lot of people who are really happy in this world. This world is their God. This world fulfills their desires. This world gives them what they want. But you know, if tonight this world is giving you what you want, it'll only give you it for a little while. Because everything in this world is transient, it's temporary, it's fleeting. Jesus is not. He is forever. And so it is vital that we lay hold upon what this invitation is actually saying. And so Jesus says, I will give you rest. Isn't that lovely? This is a personal guarantee from the Son of God. I will give you rest. And how does he give us rest? Because he gives us his peace. He is a prince of peace. And how does he give that peace? Does he have this peace in a kind of a locker in heaven? And when we go to him, that he goes to this locker and he gets the peace and through the Spirit sends it? No. This peace is himself. His peace is him. He, his peace. And he comes to us through the Spirit. So the Prince of Peace it's taking residence by his spirit into our life and into our heart. And that's where true rest is really found. It's real living rest. 
And so uh, <clears throat> we're given this amazing peace, this amazing rest. And you know, you think about it, what do you get? How does this rest or this peace work itself out in our lives? Well, say for instance, with regard to the whole way of salvation, remember what it tells us, and this is so important for the Christian. As Christians tonight, we have a rest in ourselves because we have an assurance that we belong to Jesus Christ. Remember what it tells us in Romans. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Isn't that amazing? God's Spirit reveals to our spirit that we belong to God, we belong to the family of God. Everybody in here tonight who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, part of our family. We are family. And the Spirit assures us of this. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing because if you try to define that and to tell somebody, if you sat down with somebody and says, you know, I want to tell you about what, how, how it is, how you feel, you can't really explain it. But you know it to be true because the Holy Spirit is assuring your spirit that you belong to God. You belong to part of the family. So that's a, a wonderful thing. And even when there are times that we may feel threatened and maybe we kind of lose that, that sense of assurance where the Spirit is ministering to our spirit and then we open the Bible and we say, for instance, we go to John chapter 10 and we read, I give eternal life and they shall never perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Nobody. Nobody will. Nobody can. But not only have we this assurance regarding the present, but also regarding the future. And that, you can't put a price on that. So many people in this world tonight, they are absolutely worried about the future. They're worried about what's going to happen, what's tomorrow, what's next year. People are beside themselves with regard to economy, with regard to the global warming, with regard to the planet. What's going to happen? And people are so worried about the future. Now, don't get me wrong. These are things that justifiably we could be worried about. But we have a peace in our heart. Every Christian has a peace because our future's sorted. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come again. And I'm going to take you to be with myself. Could you have anything better than that? Your future is sorted. It's guaranteed. So that takes away so many of the pressures that this world has. So, I'll just move very briefly. Time is going. The first thing Jesus said is come. There's three words he uses. The second word that he uses is take. First one is come to me. Then in verse 29 he says, take my yoke upon you. And this is taking us into a deeper experience. Now, very simply, the yoke, back in Jesus' time, the, the yoke was a a wooden thing that was put on the neck, the shoulders and the neck of the ox. And the ox would pull the plow or pull the cart. Now, I wouldn't imagine it was a very comfortable thing. And uh, the idea of putting on this yoke, you say to yourself, oh, I don't really fancy that. And you know, the interesting thing is, as Jesus, <laughs> just a thought, 
As Jesus is talking about the yoke of the, that would be made this farm implement, I'm quite sure that Jesus actually himself would have made some. Remember, he grew up, his father was, uh, well, his stepfather, Joseph, was a carpenter. Jesus would have grown up in that trade. And I'm quite sure that he would have made these farm implements. That's part of what carpenters did in those days. So Jesus knew full well what he was talking about. And he was picturing this, this yoke on, the, on, the, on, on the, the oxen for plowing or for pulling the cart or whatever. And the thing what Jesus is talking about here is submission. Because as long as the ox fought against this yoke, it made life difficult for the ox and it made life difficult for the plower or the cart driver or whoever. Once they give in, then everything got a lot simpler. And so it is with you and with me. And sometimes we resist the yoke of Christ. Maybe we want something else or another yoke. But Jesus is saying, submit to me, surrender to me, surrender your all. And the deeper you surrender yourself to me, the greater life will be. You will find that it's, it's not what you think. You know, the devil will tell you, you can't give everything over to Christ. Your heart tells you that, doesn't it? You want to keep a wee corner for yourself. This is mine. You know, I've said it so often, the hardest thing with regard to salvation is handing ourselves over to the Lord. We want to be masters of our own destiny. We want to be in control of our life. We're all control freaks, whether we like it or not. That's why it's difficult to be a Christian. It goes against the grain because we have to submit to another. We have to submit to Jesus. But even when we do submit by his grace, we still want control. And there are little areas and little aspects of our life and we say, ah, this is mine. This is my wee thing in here and I don't want, I want to still be in control. And Jesus is really saying to us, as long as you're living like that, you're not really going to enjoy the full liberty, the full freedom that I have for you. And that's why this part is all about surrendering to the Lord Jesus. And then the final thing Jesus says, he says, come, and he says, take, and then he says, learn from me. Come, take, and learn. As we said, taking is bringing us to a deeper level. But learning is a process. Supposing you sign up for any form of learning or you go to a college or a school or a university or sign up for distance learning. You don't learn everything overnight. You don't start the first night and say, that's it, got three years worth, it's all in already. It's a process. It takes time. You work through it. And so it is in the Christian life. We are learning all the time. And that's what we're wanting to do. We want to learn from Jesus. And you know what it tells us here? Jesus is quite simply the most wonderful teacher that we could ever have. And see, it's not often Jesus describes himself, but he describes himself here in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Isn't that lovely? Gentle teacher. 
Some teachers weren't gentle. In school, when I was in Purdue, we had a, we had a teacher called Nokir Blockoff for obvious reasons. And uh, he ruled his class with a rod of iron. And actually, as, when I got older and, and out of school, he was actually a very nice man, but he, he controlled that. Uh, could never, nobody could ever term him gentle. Some of the teachers weren't gentle. But here is a teacher who is so gentle and so humble. And you know, the wonderful thing is that when we go into the class with Jesus and we surrender to this gentle, lowly in heart teacher, his great purpose is to make us also resemble him so that we too will be gentle and humble. What a different world it would be, wouldn't it? if all of us were gentle and lowly in heart. And that's what Jesus wants for us. That's what Jesus wants for the world. And let us ask Jesus tonight, first of all, make sure that we've come to him and that we've taken him in the way of surrender and that now we're prepared to learn from him, the most wonderful teacher of all, in order that we will become gentle and lowly in heart as well. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that we may have receptive hearts to your truth. We pray that we might enter into what your word tells us. We give thanks for your word and pray that you will bless us. Take us all to our homes safely, we pray. Grant us your grace in all that we do. Be with us in all the coming days and grant us your strength and grace. Uh, we pray that you will bless Mr. McKeever as he's away in Donna and uh, that you will grant him refreshing and bring him back in health and strength and safety. Uh, we pray for Scott who has started up in, the, in this course within the presbytery and uh, will be learning and studying and preaching. And uh, we also remember David Ferguson and Catherine and little Duncan who will be coming with us Shortly, we pray that you will bless them. Watch over us all, we pray, and do us good, cleansing us from our sin in Jesus' name. Amen. Our final singing is Psalm 23, and this is from Sing Psalms. We're going to sing the whole psalm, Psalm 23, the whole psalm. From Sing Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, no want shall I know. Uh, he makes me lie down where the green pastures grow. He leads me to rest where the calm waters flow. My wandering steps he brings back to his way. In straight paths of righteousness making me stay. And this he has done, his great name to display. Psalm 23, the whole psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, no want shall I know. The Lord is my shepherd, no one shall I know. He makes me lie down where the green pastures grow. He leads me to rest where the calm waters flow. My he brings back to his way in straight paths of righteousness.
righteousness making me stay, and this he has done his great name to display. Oh, I walk in death's valley where darkness is near, because you are with me, no evil I'll fear. Your rod and your staff bring me comfort and cheer. In the sight of my enemies a table you spread. The oil of rejoicing you pour on my head. My cup overflows and I'm graciously fed. So surely your covenant mercy and grace will follow me closely in all of my ways. I will dwell in the house of the Lord all my days. Now may the grace, mercy, and peace of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen.